0: Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Work Show. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Jake Fenner and I am joined, as always, by my brother-in-arms on this project, Tom Adams. Tom, how are you doing
1: today? Slightly under the weather, currently battling. Uh, a little bit of a cold, as you can probably hear in my voice. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm still in a very good mood because we have some Bayern wins to report on. The perfect start to 2020 continues. Top of the table, on to the next round of the DFB Pokal. Let's go. A little cold isn't going to keep me down. Love the
0: optimism there, Tommy. So yes, we will be talking about Bayern's midweek game against Hoffenheim in the DFB Pokal. And then we will also, because this episode is coming out so late in the week, be talking about the upcoming title fight this Sunday against RB Leipzig. But first, before we get into all of that, we get to go to the most boring game I've seen from Bayern in a long time, but that's because of how much of a beatdown it was. That game, of course, the one I'm talking about is the one we played last weekend in the Bundesliga in the third game of the Rookrunde against Mainz. It was an absolute 3-1 snooze fest of a game. First goal came in the eighth minute when Benjamin Pavard found Robert Lewandowski's head right in the middle. It might have been his easiest goal he's scored all season. He was just unmarked in the middle, four guys standing around him, nobody really on him. And he was just able to easily put the ball into the back of the net off of his head. 24th minute, Robert Lewandowski tries to score again, but has a clash with the Mainz goalkeeper. The ball trickled away to the feet of Land who teed up Tomas Müller, who was running into the box with the easiest finish he could have possibly asked for, two nil to Bayern not two minutes later we have one of our other potential nominees for goal of the year Tiago using an absolute beautiful bit of skill some wonderful fancy footwork nutmegs a guy slots it into the far post makes it three to nothing and then just before halftime in the 45th minute Mainz scored their only goal of the game it was a really weird deflection off the corner when their defender Saint-Juiced tried to head it down it bounced off the top of the head of Leon Goretzka and kind of looped over the hands of Manuel Neuer into the back of the Bayern net to make it 3-1 just before the half. And there it would stay. There was nothing incredibly close in this game from the Bayern perspective. Mainz had one really close opportunity late in the game, but Neuer was able to easily handle that. And just like that, that was the end of the game. Three points wrapped up for Bayern Munich. And now we can firmly say we are at the top of the table, back where we belong Tom, what did you think of uh, of the performance to put De Roten back where we are rightly supposed to be?
1: It's funny, you know, we oftentimes joke about players and managers and people on coaching staff, you know, do any of them listen to Bavarian Podcast Works and... In this situation, I have to be convinced that Akeem bayer definitely listened to our Ausblick previewing this one because I was like, you know, Jake, I think in this situation, he's really going to pack down his midfield as much as he can. And I think he's probably going to bring guys back in like Leonardo Barrero, uh, Levin Unstanali. And you know what? That's exactly what he did uh, in the starting lineup. I think his intentions were very clear. Try and keep that midfield congested just ahead of the back line. Um, and make it difficult for Bayern to navigate through those spaces. But as you mentioned, um, the three goals in the first half, especially within the first half hour, it really made it seem like this was quickly going to turn from a 3-0 to about a 6-0 or a 7-0. Um, I think one of the main differences from a mind's perspective, you, know, you always hate on a human level to see someone get subbed off uh, in the 30th minute especially if the player isn't having a nightmare of a performance or if there's no injury. In um, that, of course, I'm referring to his tactical substitution uh, of Pierre Kunda to bring on uh, the captain who's returning from injury, Danny Latza, who is a bit more uh, defensive and stable-minded uh, in the midfield for Mainz than, than Kunda is. And I think that's really what Bayer Lurzer was thinking there, like, oh, my God, you know, I have to prevent this from going 4-0 or 5-0 before we even you know, go into the dressing room for halftime because Bayern were just were just tearing them apart by moving the ball quickly, you know, getting those early crosses. And the beauty of Lewandowski's opener is just, this was just simple play. Thiago had the ball just inside of Mainz's half, plays a very quick out ball to Pavard. Pavard takes one little quick touch, fires it into Lewandowski. And as you mentioned, Lewandowski just kind of had to make contact uh, on his head with that ball because of the pace it had on it. And, you know, the keeper had absolutely no chance. And I think that that was one of the plays that just defined uh, what was so effective for Bayern in this game, working their way uh, around those deep blocks, those tight spaces, the congested congested midfield, uh, as I just spoke of, you know, when that ball stays moving, it's much much harder for the defense to get set uh, and to keep track of. And, and and I just think this was another match where that triple midfield pivot uh, of Thiago, Leon Goretzka, and then Joshua Kimmich as a number six. I think so much of this performance we have to really look at. You know, how much more effective... First off, let me say, a fully confident Thiago is a, an absolute blessing to watch. When he's taking players on like that, right on the edge of the box, having the confidence to just flick the ball uh, into a couple yards of space, take guys on, and then, then fire in a goal like that, it's just simply amazing. And you'd much rather have him do that in those areas of the pitch than where he might have used to do that when... Um, he had been used as a deeper lying midfield. You know, you don't want him trying those things uh, in our own defensive third because it can cause bad situations. You know, if he loses the ball in those areas, and I think we've really found, and Hansi Flick has found how effective Thiago can be uh, as an eight as opposed to a six or a deeper lying midfield or deeper lying midfielder. Excuse me. I think that Kimmich uh, for the long term is going to be that uh, de facto bonafide. Uh, number six with uh, Goretzka and Thiago playing just ahead of him you know I do think Tolisso has to he really has his work cut out for him I should say to try and get one of those other two spots but I think right now when we're looking at our best 11 Kimmich and Thiago both have to be in that midfield and Kimmich has to be at that six giving Thiago uh, that license to go more forward because I think we just saw in this game just how effective he can be whether it's uh, distributing the ball Laterally, uh, diagonally, forward, taking players on, making the right decision. Uh, It's just, I think that this game, one of the biggest things for for me, the glaringly obvious statistic was how effective he was, Uh, not to discredit anyone else's performance. But yeah, and then from the mind's perspective, that substitution changed everything. That one goal before halftime gave them a little bit of hope. But yeah, let's be honest, if Goretzka doesn't deflect that, Neuer had it, you know, it was a bit of a fluke. Uh, especially because Goretzka was having such a great game. It was his hustle that basically created Thomas Muller's goal, you know, as he got to the loose ball off of uh, Lewandowski having that uh, that that pretty rough collision with Zentner uh, and then finding Muller in that space. But um unlucky deflection Neuer would have had it otherwise. A couple of decent half chances for Mainz in the second half, but the damage was really done in the first half and Bayern were a bit lacklustre compared to the first half and the second half, but You know, a win is a win. As you mentioned, this took us to the top of the table, and there's going to be no looking back from here.
0: And with that, we're going to go ahead and take a very quick break. I told you this was going to be a quick segment, but when we come back, we will be talking about the much more interesting fixture Bayern had against Hoffenheim. Welcome back, and now we get to talk about Bayern's midweek dayf Bay Pokal matchup against Hoffenheim. It was a very close contest really from beginning to end. There was a stretch in the middle. That Bayern did pull away. We did get the win, 4-3, but it got very close. It was a very tense final couple of minutes. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. Both sides, each side scored the first two goals of the game, but they just forgot which net they should be scoring on. Eighth minute, Jerome Boateng tries to clear away A low cross sent in by Hoffenheim winger Ilhas Bebo. But unfortunately, he kind of just instinctively stuck his leg out. And then it just trickled over the line beyond Manuel Neuer, who pounded the ground in anger. 1-0 to Hoffenheim. But then just five minutes later, Alfonso Davies sends in a very low cross and finds Thomas Müller. Or is it Hubner from Hoffenheim? It was a bit of a debate for a while, and after kind of slowing it down and going frame by frame, I took a look. It really does look like it comes off of the inside of Hubner's knee. So we got two own goals to start off this game within a matter of five minutes apart from each other. How insane is that? Seven minutes later, Thomas Muller finally made his way onto that goal sheet. There was no question about that. And this goal is almost entirely thanks to a beautiful lofted pass from David Alaba who made the ball fall right in front of Tomas, who was running into the box. 2-1 to Bayern. 36th minute, another great long ball from David Alaba to Thomas Müller, but unfortunately this time the Hoffenheim keeper met it, tried to punch it away, but Robert Lewandowski was able to meet it, rose up because the keeper did not punch it far enough away, headed it in, 3-1 Bayern Munich. And that's the way it stood up until halftime and throughout most of the game, up until the 80th minute when Robert Lewandowski took a corner from Joshua Kimmich and just headed it in to make it 4 2 But then, two minutes later, Hoffenheim start putting the pressure on. DeBoer had some beautiful footwork in after a really low cross, was able to seal out a Bayern defender, and then just slot one in right underneath Manuel Neuer. Five-hold him, made it 4-2. to And then in the 90th plus two-minute, five minutes of stoppage time, were added onto this game. It seemed like an excessive amount of time, at least in my opinion. Benjamin Pavard could not be able to clear a cross away. He tried to kick it out of bounds for a corner kick, but it hit off the post, trickled in front of Neuer. He couldn't save it. Pavard couldn't get to it, and DeBoer put it in again, a brace for him on this game. But time ran out before Hoffenheim could force extra time. 4-3, the final score from this one. Tom, this was a intense game. It was a fun game to watch from a neutral fan's perspective. It was an even more exciting game to watch from a Bayern fan's perspective as we are moving on to the quarterfinals of the day of Bay Pokal. What were your thoughts on the result and this fixture as a whole?
1: Well, right from the outset, from a tactical perspective, just seeing the team sheet about an hour before kickoff, you knew... From Bayern's perspective, it was going to be a little different. Both uh, Tiago and Leon Goretzka uh, were moved to the bench after uh, starting a series of three games in that uh, that triple midfield pivot of Kimmich, Tiago, and Goretzka. Uh, and it was Kimmich and Tolisso in the midfield for this one. Um, and Alfred Schroeder, I thought, uh, was a, a little bit... Uh, audacious with his lineup selection, kind of playing a 3-4-3 three, three of sorts with Larson, Kramaric, uh, and Elas Bebu leading the line. And then a packed midfield, Zuberg, Grilich, Nordweit, uh, an ex-Bayern player, uh, Sebastian Rudy, uh, in the midfield. And at times... Part of me thinks that uh, Schroeder, part of his game plan was to negate uh, the threat because he knows that both Benjamin Pavard and Alfonso Davies love to roam forward, as they did for large portions of this game. You know, at times it did look as if Bayern were playing uh, like a 3-2-4-1 of sorts with the amount of times that Pavard and Davies were overlapping and getting up towards Gnabry, Muller, and Coutinho, and Lewandowski, um, and then Kimmich and or would kind of sit in that space that they would leave behind. Um, I think that looking at Hoffenheim's lineup, I think what Shorter was trying to do was using guys like Zuber and Sebastian Rudy to kind of uh, negate those threats and kind of keep this space tight uh, when Bayern were trying to exploit it. But it's kind of weird. Both teams seemed kind of very open uh, in the opening phases of this game. And it kind of almost suited Bayern better because Hoffenheim were being brave, sending numbers forward. It just left so much space in behind, especially with the fact that Bayern were playing such a high line. So they were really able once they won possession to really uh, move the ball quickly and get those those quick chances. And as you mentioned, that first own goal in the eighth minute kind of did come against the run of play. I, I thought Boateng, he definitely had to stick his foot out. Larson was just waiting to get a, a foot on that diagonal cross. But, of course, Boateng completely botched the clearance. But, you know, after that, it was kind of one-way traffic. Hubner returning the favor with his own goal. And <laughs> just one of the notes I have, too, is just we've had some of these evenings before, or these afternoons, whether at, whether it's at the Allianz Arena or a different ground, where we just have chance after chance after chance. You know, I have in my notes Gnabry with a couple of chances, uh, Coutinho with a couple of chances, Lewandowski, uh, including the one where he um, he volleyed at home with his left foot where he was just ruled offside in the build up to the play. There's chance after chance after chance. You know, Lewandowski finished with a brace, but he very easily could have had four or five goals in this one. Um, and and yes before you know Hoffenheim got their two goals in the second half Lewandowski got his uh, his second goal off the corner kick Bayern's fourth of the match and at the time it had slightly gone against the run of play I thought Hoffenheim were starting to grow back into the match a little bit it kind of just mentally seemed like that fourth goal switched the off button for Bayern because it was like okay we're four one up uh, there's not long to go Uh, it had to come in the 80th minute and you know all right, we're cruising on to the next round of the day F call. Hansi Flick makes the decision to bring on Mikhail Krizans and Joshua Zersky for uh, Mueller and Lewandowski, respectively. And, you know, you can't really blame Flick for making those substitutions for the context and, you know, given the narrative of what was happening at that point. But it just seemed like mentally that just kind of took the... uh the foot off the gas a little bit from from Byron's perspective, you know, and it was just some individual errors that led to Hoffenheim getting those two goals and making it way too close for comfort. And I think that the 4-3 scoreline just really doesn't reflect the overall balance of the game and how effective Byron were, especially going forward. I think this was one of their stronger offensive performances. Those uh, lapses in concentration at the end that they definitely have to avoid. Yes, it is the day of April call, so goal difference doesn't mean anything. Just as long as you get the win, you go through. But, yeah, you just Pavard at the end, you know, for that second goal, or excuse me, the third goal that Hoffenheim scored. He just lets, um, I forget who gets the initial shot off far too easily, and then he's slow to uh, collect the rebound off the post, gets beaten to it. And on the first one, that ball gets played into the box, and I believe it was David Alba just gets pretty much bodied by De Boer and just lets him spin far too easily. And I know I was joking with you uh, before we started recording this, you know, of all the saves that uh, that Neuer's made this season. And, you know, a couple of fine saves from this match uh, against Hoffenheim. Like, the one that he lets go in is from uh, the near post, and it kind of hits off the inside of his left leg and, and goes in. You know, you, you would have thought that he had that covered, but... You know, a win is a win. We're on to the next round of the Day of April call. I believe there's only one team left in the competition that's not a, a Bundesliga team, so it's definitely going to be a very enticing and uh, scintillating next round.
0: Looking at those other ties that you had kind of mentioned, this seems like easy sailing for Bayern Munich throughout the rest of this tournament. Looking elsewhere in the in the competition, Werder Bremen. Knocked out Borussia Dortmund 3-2 to in a very close, close game. I know maybe one of the fans out there is not terribly happy about Werder Bremen moving on, but for the rest of us, we're happy that Borussia Dortmund isn't there. Eintracht Frankfurt knocked out Arbe Leipzig in the Pokal as well. Beautiful counterattacking football from them, especially Filip Kostic, who scored some wonderful Wonderful goals. That second goal, I believe, only had three touches to it from midfield to slotting it in. Great performance from them. And finally, the fourth division dream stays alive for our other favorite club that we are rooting for. One FC Saarbrücken advanced in penalties over Karlsruhe. They advanced 5-3 on penalties. The other remaining teams in this competition are Schalke, Bayer Leverkusen, Union Berlin, and Fortuna Dusseldorf. I personally want Saarbrücken to keep going. I want them to go to the semifinals, so I kind of hope that they draw Fortuna Dusseldorf. As for Bayern, I personally would love to see a Bayern-Union Berlin matchup. I think that would be an insane environment at the uh, at the Forsterai in Berlin. It's a beautiful stadium. It's a packed stadium. It should be a lot of fun If that ever came to it, whoever's going to be playing Union is going to have a really tough time trying to win there. Tom, who do you hope that we draw out of the uh, teams listed here?
1: Well, exactly. You don't want to be, I don't want to be the guy to say, I hope Sauerbrücken's dream ends with us and by virtue of them drawing us in the next round. um, So I'll avoid that and just say, you know, of the teams that are left, you know, we've already. Beaten most of them uh, in the regular season. Uh, so just looking at the fact that Eintracht, as you mentioned, with that counter attacking football, you know, coming up with an impressive win to knock out RB Leipzig I would actually love a shot at revenge against them because I know that unfortunately we all remember our last encounter with Eintracht Frankfurt which was the end for Nico Kovac, that 5-1, uh, just where it all went wrong and that kind of uh, was the catalyst for change at our club, you know, it was the final nail in the coffin, so I would personally love to get another shot at them, knock them out of the cup, knock them off their high horse after uh, knocking off or excuse me, knocking out RB Leipzig, so I'll be looking for that one. I, I really do hope we uh, get another go at Eintracht. And, I mean, at this point, um, Saarbrücken is the only non-Bundesliga team left. So, you know, why not make it a uh, an absolutely salivating affair?
0: Now we're going to go ahead and take another break. And then when we get back, we take a look at the matchup against RB Leipzig. And we're back taking a look at the upcoming weekend's fixture in this segment, I guess. It's not an episode of Der Ausblick, where we will be taking on RB Leipzig, the team that we recently jumped in terms of the Bundesliga standings. RB Leipzig are now second in the table. They have a 12-5-3 record. They are on 41 points. Top scorer... Timo Werner, 20 goals, 20 games. He's a very consistent goal scorer. He's currently second in the league behind Robert Lewandowski. Behind him, you have another phenomenal force in the attacking game in Marcel Sabitzer. He has seven. Then behind him, you got a youngster, 10 games, five goals for Patrick Schick. And then tied with four goals apiece are Christopher and Cuckoo, as well as Emil Forsberg. Nkuku is their assist leader, and then behind him is Werner, then Sabitzer. Nkuku has really come out as a phenomenal force this year we will get to talking about him and we will get to talking about werner later but one name that i did not mention in this who has been a consistent threat for leipzig in the last couple of years is yusuf polsen he's really not been that consistent for this team he's only got three goals in 16 bundesliga games but he has more assists than he does goals funny enough Tom it's been a weird spot for him a player that we usually expect to be performing at a high level not only just in the Bundesliga but internationally he was great for Denmark in the World Cup and during their Euro qualifications what does he need to do in order to come back stronger
1: yeah just as you mentioned he's definitely not uh, anywhere near where he was last season or perhaps even the season before uh but as you mentioned you know he does have such a a presence in you especially high up the pitch for Leipzig when he is involved in Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, actually. I know that Nagelsmann, he loves to go for pace in his lineups, especially with Werner leading the line, as you mentioned, uh, and Kunku has really come into his own. Uh, in this Leipzig side, I also think that Patrick Schick has been a very consistent presence, whether he starts or comes on as a sub. Um, But I was actually kind of thinking, you know, with the way that Hansi Flick has been consistently setting up uh, his backline. You know, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Nagelsmann maybe rolling the dice a little bit, uh, in starting both Werner and, and Paulson up front. You know, Paulson gives you that that physical presence, that height. You know, the uh, the aerial ability, and I think that if he strategically kind of plays, uh, Paulson a little bit up to the right uh, and Bayern's left. You know, kind of against Alaba, he kind of has that height advantage there and that physicality. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Nagelsmann uh, utilizing that and you know, from Paulson's perspective, he just needs to make the most of his opportunities, you know, not be wasteful in front of goal um, and make the uh, the most of the minutes that he's given, because obviously, you know, he, he's fallen slightly out of favor with the depth uh, in attack that, that Nagelsmann finds himself with currently.
0: Now we go ahead and take a look at the two threats in setting up goals and in scoring them. Timo Werner, an absolute goal scoring machine, as I mentioned in a a goal-per-game player he's been absolutely phenomenal for them both in the Champions League as well as in the Bundesliga And behind him, Christopher Nkuku has really developed himself into one of those players that does very well moving the ball and being a great playmaker. And both of them will pose a threat to a very injured and very hampered Bayern back line. What does that back line need to do tactically? And just overall, what do they need to do to slow them down?
1: Especially as you mentioned with the pace of those two guys, I think one of the major points of emphasis uh, for Bayern's back line so much uh, of the tactical decisions since Hansi Flick has taken charge, you know, just beginning of uh, January, as Thomas Muller uh, had talked about, is those those higher lines um, and those tighter spaces in between the lines, and you know, if you think about against Leipzig, if Bayern are playing such a high line with Boateng and Alba pressed up near the midway line. You do not want to get in a foot race with either Nkuku or special, especially uh, Timo Werner, especially Boateng. You know, maybe we can back Alaba for pace to uh, to catch up or Davies, because obviously his pace is uh, inhuman. But you, we just have to be so careful playing that high line as as we like to do, because it just takes one out ball. Timo Werner gets in behind, uh, and, and you're done. And he's going to create a chance on a goal, or whether it's him or Nkuku. So I think that Bayern really, really need to be careful picking and choosing uh, their phases roaming forward, especially the center backs, because the more space you leave in behind, the more Timo Werner is going to be licking his lips. You know, you've got to contain that, and playing a high line can be very, very dangerous against uh, such a pacey striker.
0: Now, you mentioned him before, and you mentioned his pace, and we have talked about him before, but I really think that another incredibly special mention needs to go to Alfonso Davies because he's absolutely amazing, not only for his TikToks, which I highly recommend everybody goes out and watch. There have been a lot of articles that have come out this week of all weeks that have been talking about how Alfonso Davies has been absolutely mastering social media, which is, one, hilarious to see. And I've been following him for a while. He's hilarious. He's a funny person. He, of course, we some of us remember from a couple weeks ago. He did those imitations of uh, goal scoring celebrations, and he disrespected our boy Thomas Muller. But we still love and appreciate that because he's hilarious. But outside of that, this kid is an absolute monster on the wings at specifically at left back. I had my reservations about him before, but I am in love with Alfonso Davies for his style of play, for his intense physicality, his pace up and down the wings, being able to basically shut down any pacey defender in a foot race. I would I would never want to be in a foot race against Alfonso Davies uh, with money on it. I wouldn't want to be in a foot race against Alfonso Davies with a fifty-yard head start. Like I would definitely still find a way to lose that. He's been amazing. Not currently affected for this game, but in the future could be his safety in that left-back position because Bayern Munich now have an interesting position where they don't have one and they don't have two, but they have three world-class left-backs technically if you count Luca Hernandez as a left-back and include David Alaba in that. You have three world-class left-backs. And it was really funny earlier today. The idea was thrown out to have Alaba and Luca Hernandez in as center backs. Alaba made the remark that he had never remembered a time where they had two left-footed center backs, but in this team he thinks that there's a way to work. When Luka Hernandez comes back, Tom, do you think that Alfonso Davies has performed well enough to basically lock his position as the first team starting left back?
1: Yes, 100% I do, and especially from a standpoint standpoint of uh, continuity you don't want to disrupt something that's been working uh, so well uh, and even to credit Davies even further I think even if for whatever reason flick does make the decision uh, to oust uh, Davies from that left back position whether it's by virtue of um, you know bringing hernandez back as a center back and pushing alaba out to the left or just putting hernandez right into left back you know i I wouldn't even doubt Davies playing left wing you know i, I would i'm still actually very curious to see how he would play there Uh, but just based off of the sample sizes you know especially before Hernandez's injury um, yes we saw him deputized as both a center back and as a left back a few times Uh, but I just think from what I've seen yes Hernandez has the legacy from his time at uh, Atletico Madrid but you can't you when you're Hansi Flick Hansi Flick excuse me you can't make your decision based off of that it's all based on the continuity how everyone's pl- each player is playing with everyone else in the squad and how the squad is playing uh, as a collective so i think down the road uh when hernandez has made his way back and he's got more mittens under his belt and he comes back to full fitness it will take a while uh for him to be removing anyone from the starting lineup uh in the back line but for me the one glaringly obvious you know I know Alaba has said he can't remember the last time that Bayern had two left-footed center backs playing next to each other but to me uh, from left to right you know Davies Alaba Hernandez Pavard seems a little bit more uh, stable than Davies Alaba Boateng Pavard not not to discredit Boateng at all but I just think he's always been uh, the weakest link this season, and you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link in the, in, in the back line. So, um, to answer your question, he 100% should continue on uh, as the starting left back. And I think that uh, with Hernandez's ability to play in the center or on the left, Flick has that flexibility there, and he should maybe look at. Uh, putting Hernandez back into the center back spot because I think with Nicolas Sulu it's going to be quite some time and I just don't think he's going to be ready before the end of the season and I think he even faces a a tight timeline to be fit for Germany in the Euros which we uh, had written about earlier today so Davies should 100% stay as the left back um, and well, we'll see. I mean, I'm not Hansi Flick. He's got difficult decisions to make. That's why they pay him the big bucks, right?
0: Absolutely. I really I really think that Davies has this phenomenal potential to not only be Byron's future starting left back, but possibly one of the best Byron left backs that we've had either in club history or at least in this millennium. And I know that he's come up against a lot of competition for that, especially with the performances of David Alaba over the years. But even more so than that, I think Alfonso Davies has the potential to go down in history as the best outgoing transfer from MLS ever. If he continues to play at this position, He's fit, let's all keep this in mind. He's a really, really good left winger. But he plays the role that David Alaba played at left back so perfectly, contributing to the attack, contributing to the back line, that pace and physicality, as we mentioned before. He's basically a younger and, I think in some cases, better version of Alaba on that left wing and at that left back position. It's going to be really fun. (laughs) It's going to be a really fun next couple of years to watch him grow both as a player and positionally whether he goes to left wing or stays at left back but fun times are ahead for all of us fans of Alfonso Davies out there now Tom uh, go ahead and tell me what you think this final score is going to be the previous fixture was a very close 1-1 draw what do you think is on the cards for this game in Munich? Oof.
1: And especially uh you know the first time around at the Red Bull Arena it was a 1-1 draw but I thought Bayern I thought that scoreline flattered Leipzig. I thought Bayern were by far the better side. A little bit wasteful in front of goal and you know I believe it was a penalty that we had conceded that got uh, Leipzig back into the game. Uh this time around I think we are far better off than we were at that point in the season. Uh mind you the the game was very early on in the season. Uh, at the Red Bull Arena, so I think that this time we're much improved. We're a better-look side. I would expect that triple midfield pivot, pivot excuse me, of Kimmich, Tiago, Goretzka to come back, the same back line. Um, I'm just interested to see whether Gnabry will ma- retain a spot in the starting lineup or if he'll go back to pushing Muller out wide or if he'll start Coutinho. Uh, there's some difficult decisions there, but going off of that, I, I think you can't like the amount of goals we've scored in 2020 in the Rook window thus far. I mean, you absolutely can't bet against us scoring at least twice. There's just hasn't been an occasion where we haven't done that. So I'm going to go at least two for Byron. And I'm going to say two, one, uh, you know, I have to give a shout out to Chuck. If he's listening, I can see Timo Werner getting on the score sheet. Uh, I don't know if he ever has at the Allianz arena yet, uh, playing for Leipzig. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, I, I can see us call. Co- I can see him causing us some problems, and Nagelsmann coming out with a very tactically sound plan to disrupt us. But uh, I just think that our our attack will be will be too much in the end, and the open counter-attacking football that Leipzig uh, like to play will uh, come back to bite them. So I'm going to go two one Bayern.
0: I think it's going to be a little bit more of a high scoring affair, though. I do th- like that one goal difference at the end of the day. I think that. Timo Werner shout out to Chuck he will definitely score a goal here that's my at least my prediction and that's nothing against the back line currently it's just that he is a wrecking ball he is unstoppable at this moment at the same time, I also think Emil Forsberg would be able to score for Leipzig. For some reason, whenever he plays Bayern Munich, he usually performs out of his skin. I think he could do that again. Either him or Marcel Sabitzer could also be scoring goals here. But I think 3-2 to Bayern is a accurate final scoreline. I think that Lewandowski will be scoring because his requisite one goal per game Uh, quota is still ongoing. I think the other two goals will go for the two most informed players in midfield that Bayern Munich have right now. I think Lewandowski is going to score a goal. I think the second goal is probably going to be scored by Leon Goretzka, and I think the final goal is going to be in between the 80th minute and stoppage time from the Rom Deuter himself, I'm predicting Thomas Muller will go ahead and kick in the game winner for Bayern Munich. So hopefully it's not that close. Hopefully my prediction is flat out wrong and we just obliterate Leipzig for nothing. But otherwise, I love to hope that my predictions hold true. My prediction for this pokal match was 3-1 and for most of the match it was 3-1 up until the very end when louis scored and then hoffenheim scored too but uh i don't know hopefully that prediction stands
1: i also have to jump in and say i have a very very bold prediction you know i really think i'm putting my neck out on the line here but hear me out everyone i believe that there is going to be at least one blistering 50 yard recovery run from davies uh, to strip Timo Werner as he's on the counterattack. And it's become a, going to quickly become a viral video clip on Twitter that people are just going to have on repeat <laughs> over and over and over. I know that's a lot to ask. Davey is making a recovery run to yeah. save our skin. Course, yeah. But, you know, it's going to happen. And it's going to happen to Werner. I
0: think Werner. that's how the Lewandowski goal is going to come about. I think. Uh, I- Alfonso, for some reason, Fonzie and Louis are a perfect match. There, a match made in heaven, because you saw it in the Freiburg game. You saw it in, uh, you saw it in other games. I can't have examples coming to my head right now, but. Alfonso Davies sending in low crosses into the middle for Robert Lewandowski might become the new Robin Cunningham on the right wing because of how consistently it's been happening and how consistent that goal-scoring threat has been there with that pace and with him being able to put in perfect passes into the middle. I think that would be wonderful to see. Just see him break down the wing and see Bayern in flight attacking Willy Orban and that, that back line of Leipzig to beat Peter Golashi and go up top. That's That's the stuff that dreams are made of in my in my opinion. But with that, we are going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and download to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get quality audio content. Follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. Follow Tom on Twitter at Adams 71 Follow me on Twitter at JeffersonFenner. And for your great German and Bayern soccer content, follow us on BavarianFootballWorks.com. So until next time when we come out of this weekend with another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. We will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.